Welcome to Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Join us as we cover conservation updates, tips and tricks to campfire chats. <laughs> How's it going, Steve? Good. Here we are again. Eh? It seems like we never, never get away from the computer to do something else. That's yeah, a good way to spend the day, hang out with you here on... Uh the live feed and chat a little bit. So absolutely. Couldn't ask for better company. So I was texting on the weekend and I wasn't getting any responses trying to figure out where the heck you were. What, uh, what happened there? It looks like you had a pretty more exciting weekend than I did. I can say that. I guess that depends on your point of view. Uh, well, (laughs) up up here in the North, we got a little bit of snow. So we went out for, for a lynx hunt and it's absolutely one of my favorite hunts to do. Uh, easy to get on good sign. Uh, they're pretty abundant. They're something most people don't think of, uh, but they are great eating. Uh, so yeah, uh, good buddy of mine, Don, for a lynx hunt to see what we could get onto. Okay. So what's the success like? Are you guys, I think you've killed a few over the years. What? How does that work out? Do you guys oh. usually get something when you go? Uh, it, it all depends how picky we want to be. So uh, we've got a pretty good really? success rate. Yeah, we can call in uh, one lynx generally about every four or five call sets so 25 percent uh success rate on calling them in there once once you figure out how to do the call sets type of habitat that they like to hang out in and the sign you're looking for it's 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 a lot of fun and that's why i'm a big big fan of it cool so you uh you guys uh what do you use for a caller how does that work and what's the setup with that well i've got a fox pro fusion which is a digital caller an e-caller and don runs uh like lucky duck revolution same sort of thing just different company different call sets and yeah we we set them up uh on good sign good habitat and run our our uh distressed rabbit or uh, dying woodpecker it all depends on the, the type of habitat we're in what we run so it's a good time it really is that's pretty exciting it must be fun sitting there so you guys just uh put a blind up and get hidden and start calling and then just hang out like uh, how often they, they come in close like how does it I, i've never done oh. that. i'm just curious how that works oh you've never done it i thought you had uh no we don't use a blind we uh we generally like i said find the spots that have got the good habitat and a good spot to to sit good lines of sight uh, they, they like tight corridors, uh, 15, 20 year old regenerated, uh, timber stands, uh, wherever there's good rabbit, you're going to find good links. So I sit on one side of a, a, a side trail or a little deactivated type road. Don will do the same thing on the opposite side. Callers out 30, 50, hundred yards away, depending on the, the setup approach. And we, we've had them come in. Don's had them come in underneath his his seat, literally type thing. You could reach out and pet them type deal. Uh, we had a couple come in on the weekend. Don couldn't see the one that uh, I could have taken, but I let walk just because. Well, they're awesome to fun, awesome to watch, right? Uh, it it popped out fifteen feet away from me, right across the road. I couldn't move, and I watched it for 10, 15 minutes as it stocked up on the call. Sat down, and stared at the call for a bit, and then 
went on its merry way. And then Dawn took a, a beauty that came to the call within six minutes. It was maybe at best 10 yards in front of him. So one shot, put it down, couldn't ask for better and brought it home, skinned it up and it's in the freezer and going to have some good meals out of it. So uh, yeah, it was good, good time. And I've still got a tag. I've got a couple of friends that we're going to take out that have got their tags. So yeah, like I said, it's, it's one of my favorite hunts that I like to do just because it's so interactive and there's lots and lots of action. Yeah, it's fun, man. Like they're honestly like in the wilderness, seeing a cat to me is the, one of the most stunning things. Well, I guess I can't say that. I feel that almost about all of them, but uh, you know, but seeing a, a lynx, I've seen a lynx four or five times, but never been in open season. Right. So oh, wow. um, I recently did, uh, I was on a sheep hunt in uh, region seven and we were actually, we were just in a, we had a, a raft and we were just rafting down the river and uh, there was a beautiful lynx just sitting on the shoreline, just hanging out, like maybe 20 yards, just checking us out. I videoed it as I went by. Just They're so stunning, right? Like their ears and their oh, coat, yeah. and they're just big old paws. They're just, yeah, one of, the, one of the most majestic creatures in the wilderness for sure. Yeah, yeah cool when, all this, uh, COVID, when all this COVID bullshit's over, we got to get you up here and call one in for you. Yeah, I'd love it. Yeah, for sure. Just, just to see them is just a trophy in oh, itself, so let alone yeah. if you're successful. Yeah. Right oh, we, we, we call um, in we call an eight to 10, 10 a year, depending on how many times we go out. So they're, they're, there's a good population of them. They're, they're in no risk of going anywhere. And we just, we just watch them, the majority of them. So, yeah. Nice. Did, are there any, are they predatory on anything big? They're, they're not killing anything larger than a rabbit or something. It's all small game, right? Nothing, no ungulates well, that, or anything like that, right? Well, that's their, that's their preferred, uh, their preferred, uh, prey is snowshoe hares and grouse however there there is many documented uh cases on video of them taking down mule deer so they will when when times are tough uh go for what they can right they are a predator cool man yeah right on yeah that'd be something to see eh? oh yeah yeah there's there's video out there like i said Cool. Um, so yeah, episode number 14, uh, today's very cool. Uh, we got Jesse Young mm -hmm. on the show and I'm super stoked about this. Uh, Jesse has a long history in the hunting community. Um, a quick Google search and you'll find the pictures of her at 14 years old with a doll sheep. Um, she was, I think one of her family's clients had killed this beautiful ram and she's in that photo. So just a, a long history. She's a guide outfitter, a registered nurse as well by trade. And um, she's busy running the family business, Midnight Sun Outfitters. Uh, Midnight Sun Outfitters, Jesse herself, uh, longtime supporters in the wild sheep community. Um, we often see them at the Wild Sheep Foundation. They're huge donors. Um, they've just recently donated a sheep hunt to that uh, Yeti book that uh, is on sale, was on sale with the golden ticket. Um, fantastic family that supports conservation um, in our community. So um, now uh, Midnight Sun uh, gave us a donation for our wild sheep raffles and very generous again to support conservation in, in what we're doing here in BC. Um, this is a great hunt. We have the tickets available uh, on our website at wildsheepsociety.com slash WSR. Um, and so it's a fully guided Yukon grizzly hunt. It's a 12 day uh, horseback hunt out of Dawson city, mm -hmm. uh, Yukon uh, grizzly bear. Uh, the option to switch it up to a uh, caribou hunt, um, massive, booze up there as well just amazing bulls so if uh, an individual wanted to they could switch that up they just had to make an agreement and agree with it with the outfitter but uh, mm -hmm. it is one of the options that they're they're giving us so um, 
great uh, opportunity for anyone that's interested in in getting uh, a WSR ticket. Um, they're selling out fast. Where they're they're probably going to be sold out before the deadline. So this is a great opportunity. Christmas is around the corner, so this is a great opportunity to buy some tickets through our WSR oh, raffles. Totally. So. If you looked up the words conservation superhero in the dictionary, you would see a picture of our friend Omer from Precision Optics, a tireless donor and supporter of all things wild sheep. Precision Optics, located in Quinell, British Columbia, truly stands alone in the high alpine. From optics to rifles to outdoor gear and a knowledge that cannot be surpassed, toss in that killer smile and you have a total conservation package. Precision Optics, we are truly thankful for the support you show us every step of the way. Find them online at precisionoptics.net or in Aroma Foods, located just off Highway 97 in Quinell, BC. Hey Jesse, how's it going? Good. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You're awesome. Yeah, awesome. Steve, you're good. <laughs> I'm good. We've we've been through this a little a little while ago. But technical difficulties are sorted out now, so I think we're ready to rock. Yeah. So Jesse, uh, thanks. Like uh, you know, we tried to make this happen an hour ago, and you were out at the farm. And no cell service or very little cell service and no internet service. So you're driving into town to make it work. So thanks for being flexible and make, putting it all together for us. No worries. Thanks for asking me to be here. I'm completely honored. Yeah, well, we're, we're super excited to have you on. And, you know, Steve and I, we were pitching ideas and, and your name came up right away when we said, you know, we want somebody that's very cool. Um, you know, somebody that's been in the industry, knows what they're doing. Uh, somebody that's a hunter that understands it and uh, your name was top of the list for sure. So super that it's awesome that you can make it. Oh, cheer guys. Hardly, hardly. Cool. But for the cool. <laughs> cool. So um, we know you have a, a massive history in the uh, hunting space, uh, you know, quick Google search and there you are at 14 years old with a massive dull sheep ram. Um, so <laughs> And you grew up in the family business. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, your first introduction to it and your early memories as growing up in a guide outfitter and a hunting family? Yeah, sure. First of all, never Google yourself. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, yeah, grew up in it. Don't know any different. Yeah, too smart or too stupid to do anything else. I don't know. But um, my parents obviously have been outfitting and got into the business and, I went into the mountains in a pack box at two weeks old and the rest is history. But it was just kind of like, and I'm sure we'll talk about this loss, but it's just kind of like our lifestyle. And that's what my father did. And, and it's a traditional thing, I guess. My grandfather did the same. And my parents started out with a tiny hunting area, tiny and lucrative words, it's all relative now, but in Southern BC, my dad is born and raised um, Princeton, BC. Mm -hmm. So they started out out there, and about four concessions later, we are located in the Yukon now. So we used to own a concession in Pink Mountain, yep. and so that's where I was born and raised. Or not born, I was born in Calgary and raised in um, Pink Mountain in the hunting concession there. And then when I was 11, 10, I'm, we moved to the Yukon. And we've been there ever since. Wow, that's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. started. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. um, what, what's kind of your first memory? Like, of course, you know, at two, two weeks old, you're in the mountains. But, you know, do you have anything that stands out where you go, hey, you know, this, this comes back as something I can remember my formative years from, from hunting? What's kind of the, that first memory that pops to mind when you think mm -hmm. back? 
Mine would be like when we're really, really, really little. So, and I, we've heard stories. Our parents tell stories, obviously, of us. Like my mom said, she'd put our my dad's socks up our arms and wake up in the log cabin, and our eyelashes would be frozen and, and that kind of stuff. For us, like looking at the trees and the like baby bassinet on the porch while the grizzlies are running through, you know, horse camp meadow. Like we've heard tons of stories like that. But personally, um, when I was eight and my brother was six. Dad would take us on goat hunts and sheep hunts, and he would stash us. Essentially, that's probably what you would call it. But he'd stash us, and Logan and I'd play like under a rock or with sticks. He set up a dad would set up our little lunch and then leave, go for a stop, come back. And I remember, I I remember like a little bit of those memories, and then I remember kind of like one that stands out a little bit more was a family like trail ride trip that we kind of took in with the horses and dad took us like on a sheep hunt. Um, and I remember having little tiny backpacks on and we have pictures of this. So like Scout Connor, this really is happening. Um, and we have these little backpacks on, they're tiny. And I remember thinking, I have a fond memory of thinking like, this is heavy. <laughs> it must have only been probably, I don't even know, probably just our sleeping bags. but. Anyways, there's lots of little snippets, but and there's pictures to to have now and share. So those are some of the earliest memories that I remember. Very cool. So you've you've kind of seen everything being on the landscape up in the Yukon, and you know you're a very experienced now guide and outfitter, and you know you've been doing it a long time. Um, you know when you think back, is there any specific memory that comes to mind that? you know, where it just, you know, it's vivid in your mind. Is it specific hunt, whether it's your own hunt or maybe it was with somebody else harvesting, you know, your own animal, being on a hunt. Is there anything that stands out for you in terms of memories there? The sentimental ones always stick out. Like, and, and of course the big stuff sticks out in your memory because you get so much recognition for it, or you have like a buckle or a trophy or a ram award or whatever. So those stand out obviously, but I would say the sentimental ones really stick out in your memory. And those pertaining to the hunt. I mean, obviously, aspect has memories that um, you can, like, monumental moments, I guess. Yeah. But, I again, like the big ram. So the world record um, muzzle loader stone sheep Rick, with the late Rick Caron, that one obviously sticks in my mind, but it was such a big, like public, not big, that's relative, but it was like a, a lot of um, like attention to it, I guess. So that one obviously for sure, but I guess and I feel like the biggest and the best memories are with, with my family. So like working with my brother and my dad and like growing up together and, you know, jumping in the super cub when we were kids and those memories really stand out. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. Any specific hunt? Have you, do you remember a hunt that you were pulling the trigger that comes to mind that stands out or not really? They all kind of blend together. I, I don't have one in particular myself, but uh, is there one that stands out for you? You know, and I, it's embarrassing how much little hunting we do personally. Um, but I'm sure that's, that's like every guide and outfitter. Mm -hmm. Somebody once told me to, if you like hunting guide, if you like ordering groceries and picking up hunters from the airport, be an outfitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's obviously there's two different platforms, right? But, um, um, see, and we don't, again, we don't do a lot of hunting for ourselves, but the one hunt that does stand out for me is, 
uh, in 2016, I was actually really honored to go to New Zealand and kind of take my New Zealand slam, if you would, and that was under Sitka. Sitka was doing, we just launched the women's line, and Sitka was doing a photo shoot, and it was with Wilderness Quest uh, New Zealand, so that's Zion Pilgrim, and it was incredible. It'll be something I'll remember forever, but my chamois hunt was probably the most memorable one, personally, okay. that, uh, where I pulled the trigger. Just yeah. so cool with mountains, obviously. I love mountains and goats and sheep, and so it was really. And then using helicopters, like to get up to the mountain, like our pickup and drop off. I'm always used to like getting either ride, riding there or flying there in a fixed wing. So the helicopter, that mm -hmm. was a pretty cool aspect of that. And then just the people there, like Zion is incredible and was just so good to us. And Sika was so good to us. And Stephen Drake came on that hunt too. He's the most like one of the best photographers in the business, Adam Foss and him, I would put together. They're just incredible. So that, the chamois hunt, would be probably yeah. most memorable for me. You hear that often with uh, outfitters not getting a chance to pull the trigger themselves. I I hunted with a buddy of mine who's been outfitting over 30 years, and we, we hunted together for just over a week in this past September, and we're, we're moose hunting, and we're talking about hunting moose, and killing moose and i said so you must have taken a bunch of moose over the years and he said not one so <laughs> and I, it was actually kind of cool about two weeks later i got a text message and it was him posing with his moose so he finally managed to take one so yeah that's that you hear that quite often if you want to hunt be a guide if you want to kill something <laughs> don't so. <laughs> And like, you know, on the light of that too, that's what COVID and the, this really different year, that what shone light on it. So for a lot of guys that never got the opportunity because they're always in the seat, like they're always in the concession or they're always super busy logistically, they never get to hunt themselves. That was something that did come up this year that we had the opportunity and the time to go in and go hunting for ourselves. We didn't, the youngs did not, but we had the opportunity. Yeah. And actually, a couple of our clients that came up this year, too, um, they were guides and wanted finally had time and a chance and a season yeah. to, to come out. So it was awesome. Like, really awesome. And, you know, I don't I don't need to either. Everybody really like the guy that took 30 years to shoot moves. I, I kind of feel you like I don't need to shoot moves. Not mm -hmm. one. I don't need to personally like it doesn't. Going on the hunts is just is satisfying enough. So. And that's exactly what he said. I'm sure one day. <laughs> it was all about watching somebody else do it and getting that same satisfaction. So, hundred percent, exactly. It's the same experience. It just doesn't go home with me. That's right. Yeah. Cheaper taxes. So, Jesse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I get Yeah. So, can you talk a little bit to to that? Um, I guess to that point, you know, you've, you've had the opportunity to pull the trigger yourself and you've, you've been on more guided hunts than, you know, I'll probably ever be on in my lifetime. Um, so what is it, you know, as an outfitter or as a guide, I guess, let's go with the guide angle that you really, you know, what resonates and why, because obviously you do it. Um, it's a passion, right? Like, uh, you know, and you're obviously have that attachment to the, to the, I guess, to the landscape and to the animals and the experience and, and being there. So what is it that stands out for you as a guide and, and makes it so special? Like the hunts itself, like itself or the industry or the business? Yeah, more so like, um, no, not, not the business angle, just 
being out there and being with, um, you know, because I can't get my head around, you know, I can take, I can see taking someone, uh, a friend of mine on a hunt with me and, and enjoying the hunt and not even pulling the trigger. But for me to, um, to be a guide, that, that's a whole different, you know, I guess the one thing for me as a hunter, when I go out in the field, I, I at least know I have a chance that I might pull the trigger. And if I was guiding, knowing I'd never get a chance, I'd have to put all this work and effort in. And there's there's zero, um, you know, zero chance of me. And that doesn't mean I haven't taken people out. I didn't even have a tag and gone with people. But I, I guess to me, guides are special. They have something special. You know, they, it's almost a benevolence, really, like um, self-sacrificing. You're out there and, yeah, you're getting paid, but still, like, there's a lot other ways to make money instead of, you know, busting your butt on the mountain. Right. So you have to love the work and you have to love the lifestyle. Like you're there and you have to love to get cold, wet, dirty, like sleep deprived. Like you have to love that part of it. And a lot of guys would say they just love the experience. They love being out there. They just want to see like what the next day is going to bring. And that personally is probably one of my favorite things is you just don't know what's going to happen the next day or the next second or like within the hour or the next corner. Or That sounds so cliche, but it's really true. I guess it's like the adventure or you just get hooked on like the work. Just love to, you know, throw wet saddle pads on and <laughs> yeah, but I think that's why people say like, oh, they're crazy. Sheep hunters are crazy. You just love the work and, and you love the land. So I think, especially for my family, like we just love our confession more than anything in the whole world. And it's just what we do. It's like, and you want to be there too. You want to take care of it and you want to see it. And yeah, I would just love the, I love our concession. And you love the animals in it too. So you want to do whatever you can. So in relation to a lot of the conservation groups that we work with, you and and even in the concession itself like our own conservation efforts in there that's the that's the main goal yeah so let's transition to that and this has always stood out for me there's you know guide outfitting industry is incredibly supportive in conservation but there's some groups or some uh companies that stand out and i can say very confidently like midnight sun outfitting is one of them that you're you know, and I, I think it was your maybe the legacy, maybe that your mom and dad left behind, and what they've done for conservation. And you guys, Logan and yourself, have certainly continued that. What is that? What it? What? What brings you to that? And you're, you're a massive supporter of the Wild Sheep Foundation. You guys have been there at every turn. You know, I'm always seeing these these hunts constantly donated to the foundation. Um, Idaho, you've been a great supporter. You've certainly been a supporter with the Wild Sheep Society of BC and, and others too. That's not exclusively. So wh where does that conservation ethic come from? Is that something that your dad instilled in you guys or, you know, where does it come from? Yeah, well, first of all, it comes from like <clears throat> what you really want to see done. So you really want to help the game and the wildlife and every possible chance they have. Um, but it definitely came, it's just passed down. You know, my dad was a board of directors for four terms with the international chapter and just on every single resource council, on every single board uh, within like the Yukon, he was president of the uh, Yukon Outfitters Association for years. Now my brother is actually the executive director of Bear Trust International. So he's doing that. Like we're, we just, the organizations, if you really want to, and people always say like, what can I do to be involved in the, in the business if I'm not a hunter? 
be a part of the associations. Go, you know, on the sheep transplants. Go do the burns, do, like anything like that. Donate five dollars to, you know, buy the magazine. Whatever, anything like that helps. But it's definitely a legacy thing, and I think it's just really important part of uh, being in the industry and being a hunter. You know, you take, and you want to make sure that you, you're you're giving as well. But definitely, dad. Dad's always push like. Be on the boards, make it happen. Be on the resource councils. You know, have good relationships. It's also a business thing too. It's really important to be a part of those for the business. You want to know what's going on, so that you can reflect that on your business and kind of do the best you can with um, that. So, if you want to make things better, you you got to be a part of it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we're super thankful of what you guys have done and certainly the Wild Sheep Society BC with our grizzly bear hunt this year. It's uh, it's awesome to have that opportunity with you guys. So when you look Thank back you. now, like, you, you know, your dad has was on the board of directors with the foundation. Um, do you have an early memory from the conservation angle? Like, I know we talked the hunting angle. Do you, does anything come back, you know, his involvement with the foundation? And I, I know this conservation work is bloody addicting. You just, uh, it kind of consumes your life. But uh, do you have any re recollections of that, an early sheep show or anything that stands out there? Totally. Yeah, lots, like lots. Most memory that I have probably that's the funniest is just watching like growing up and seeing my dad on the phone in the office for hours upon hours and you could hear him behind the door you know um so i have lots of memories of him like don't go in the office dad's on a conference call i have those ones um but then yeah like my brother and i went to the sheep show my like we were <laughs> my mom we were telling stories about you know our earliest memories of going to the wild sheep foundation because obviously this year we're not physically going to the, the convention. And we went to the banquets and the convention. I'm a July baby, so they would have been in like January. So I would have been about six months old. And, you know, we were being breastfed behind the booth. Like we, and we were in the bassinet, like underneath the, underneath the tables. And so we were always there. And my parents took us everywhere. Like my dad took us on sheep hunts. We did trail rides. They drug us through the barns. Um, we grew up ranching and, and still do ranch. And so all those memories for sure. Yeah. And the sheep show is kind of an annual event too, that we will definitely be missing this year. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. Trying to get my head around that as well. Registration just <laughs> opened, right? And I'm just trying to get my head around not seeing everybody, right? So it's just, uh, yeah, that's that's the hard part for sure. Totally. Tough one. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely one of those events that I know everybody looks forward to. Yeah. I really look forward to. So it'll be sadly missed for sure, but it's only a year, fingers crossed. And, you know, it, we we have a lot of things going on right now. So for us, it's like, kind of okay we'll be we'll be on the phone at home anyways get a chance to get caught up totally yeah, yeah exactly and on so another side of point too save some money for us as well <laughs> cost a lot of money to go to the shows if you're going to you know four to eight shows a year yeah. it's a big, yeah it's a big um investment it's part of the budget but hopefully that budget we can kind of diverse this year yeah, absolutely. Um, so what is what does things look like now for for the on the business side of things? So obviously, uh, COVID's obviously severely affected um, your 
international clients. What what does this past year look like? What does the future look like? Um, how are you guys managing that aspect of it with the the new normal? Well, it's definitely been a tough one. I mean, for an international tourism business, which essentially is what we are, it's uh, it's definitely hit us pretty hard. Not just us, everybody in the industry for sure. Um, you know, we're just going ahead like 2021 is going to happen, and we truly believe that it is with all my heart. So we're planning accordingly. It's like a normal year, kind of just back to the grindstone a little bit, filling the season, the 2021 season, we took our 2020 clients and then kind of reorganized them, shuffled them wherever they wanted to be in the next two seasons. And our next two, three seasons were almost full. So there was a lot of shuffling there, but then because then there was guys in 2021 that couldn't come because their Africa hunt got pushed back to 2021. So now they pushed everything else. So it really was just juggling act. So for about the last six months, it's been like not a challenge, but just something else to reorganize everybody on their dates. Um, but it hasn't really been a problem. A lot of the 2021 hunters could stay in their dates. And so that was great. So just going forward as planned. And yeah, I really truly believe our 2021 season will happen and we're ready. Gosh, we're ready to get back to the mountains and, and get back to work. Yeah, absolutely. Now for 2020, what did you guys end up doing? Like, I think you were able to host a couple, like some local hunts or how did that work out for the business there? We did. Yeah. You know, with everything considered, it was awesome. It was so fun. Um, we had a great season. It was obviously smaller scale, but it was still great. And we got to go, go in there and still kind of, you know, do the things just on a tinier scale which was you know kind of nice to have a smaller logistic load and and really get to spend some more like private small town time with these with the hunters so we obviously only took Canadian hunters and we took maybe like half dozen or eight eight ten um and we took some friends so we took uh, some fellow outfitters one in particular, we took uh, Tyler McMahon and his daughter Brooklyn from Sherwood Outfitters, which are Bighorn um, folks uh, from Alberta. So that was really fun. Got to spend some friend time with that. And then um, we had some guides actually come up as well and and harvest um, some rams. We did mostly sheep hunts. Uh, we didn't bring up the horses this year, just too much of a logistical expense for one thing. But then obviously smaller um, staffing this year and so we just kept it pretty pretty simple so lots of backpack hunts we just did sheep hunts um and not a lot of moose we did a couple caribou but so it was good yeah i mean we really enjoyed it and it, it was we don't get a lot of canadian hunters we maybe take so it was nice to kind of be with our our fellow nation folk um yeah, it was it was uh, a change for sure but it was nice again we got to go in there and see the country and it was great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Um, so now let's let's transition a little bit about to um, Midnight Sun and, and the experience. So um, I guess on a personal perspective, what's what's your favorite animal? If you're guiding somebody and you're out, out in the backcountry, um, obviously you guys are known for your sheep, you're known for your caribou, you're known for your moose, um, but caribou and, and sheep stand out for sure. What's what's your favorite? What do you like? What's your favorite hunt when you're out there in the field? It's it's really been changing lately too. Maybe that's just part of getting older. But um, mm -hmm. 
it's obviously the sheep hunt is oh man this is hard the sheep hunt is the <laughs> is the epitome of the mountains and and like the hardcore experience it's obviously a favorite and our sheep are incredible our mountains are incredible the country is stunning uh it's beautiful and and i've had a lot of personal success in the sheep sheep hunting too i mean that's obviously been a, a fun one but recently I've been really loving our moose hunts. Moose hunts are just, our moose are incredible animals. They're so big on the hoof. And we've been doing lots of calling, rut hunts, which we do all, all, all the time. But for me personally, I've been doing like six a year. And I've really enjoyed those in the last like two, two or three years. Just had some really cool calling experiences, really cool experiences then like coming in and and I just love those the last couple of years. So the sheep hunt, hands down, recently, maybe I'm getting older. <laughs> um <laughs> the been great. And anything I personally love the the horseback hunts. I'm obviously we're really partial to in the traditional way that we use them. And that's a big highlight for me. So just using the horses on those hunts is a highlight hands down. Right on. It, it was funny this morning. We uh, had a couple uh, gentlemen call in and buy some tickets for our, the, uh, our wild sheep raffles. And he said, Hey, if you actually want to sell some tickets to me, he goes, get me a big moose out of the Yukon. So I uh, <laughs> might have to chat with you next year and see if we can, if you can hook us up with a moose hunt. Cause uh, I, I know that would sell really well. Um, I've actually had the same question. Sure. from people. I've had the same question from people. When are you guys going to get a moose hunt? When are you guys going to get a moose hunt? So That's definitely cool. worth the discussion. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Right on. Okay. So somebody, um, so let's, let's talk about a little bit of the Grizz hunting experience with Midnight Sun. Uh, we've, we're selling those raffle tickets now. So if somebody is to win that hunt, what does that hunt look like for them uh, with you guys? Yeah. Well, first of all, super grateful and thank you guys so much for all the support through that. It's been awesome. And it, we're so excited to work with BC Wild Sheep Society. You guys have been real like forerunners from the very beginning. So it's awesome. I'm glad we could partner in that. Um, our, the hunt, it looks, it, it's, a, it's a great way to actually see the full experience. So you use the horses. Um, it's a classic like horseback traditional hunt. So usually what happens uh, is all of our clients actually stationed from Dawson City. So the clients will get themselves to Dawson City and then we um, charter you into our base camp from Dawson. So Dawson is the coolest town, um, my personal favorite in the Yukon. Lots of history, board, um, wood boardwalks, really cool sites to see, great stories, old mining town, you know, the beginning of the Klondike days. And the show, The Gold Rush, this is how I kind of describe it to a lot of our clients that Gold Rush show um, used to be filmed there as well. So there's lots of scenes uh, of mining. Mining's a big industry there. So it's lots of gold, gold stores, great places for souvenirs for their, everyone's family. Um, so come into Dawson City and then head to our base camp. And then um, my dad's our commercial pilot with North Sky Aviation. And so we fly our clients uh, further to their spike camp from there. And then they're usually they go to their spike camp, get met by their guide um, and their string of horses. Or we, we kind of do it three ways. It's either a horseback hunt. This is, again, um, client preference. Horseback hunt, backpack, 
uh, or the riverboat. So we kind of use three ways to do our, our hunts, and in particular, this, this bear hunt. And uh, use the horses, or in this case, we'll use that as an example. Uh, use your horses to, to go, uh, go hunting. And our bears, I think, um, we've taken some of the most beautiful bears that I've ever seen in this last couple of years, actually. Just, just beautiful, beautiful hides and um, had a lot of success in our bears. They're, they're really something. And the Yukon is now the only way in Canada where you can um, harvest a, an interior grizzly. So we're proud of that and, and love bear hunts. They're incredible. They're really cool animal to hunt too. It's super fun. So mostly spot and stock, it'll be, is that yeah. kind of how, how you go about it? Yeah, cool. So you'll yeah. uh, go to an area and, and hang out and yeah, right on. So, right uh, and then people, sorry, what's that? And ride around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, awesome. And, uh, and do lots of your clients, they, they'll do an add-on, like they'll maybe, you know, do the bear hunt and then they'll, or, or probably mostly the other way, they'll, they'll be hunting moose or, or caribou and they'll, they'll add a grizzly on or something like that. Is that how it works? Totally. Yeah. I would say probably like 80% of our clients do an add-on and there's lots of opportunity for add-ons. So part of our, our base price in this case would be all the licenses and tags. So you get a choice, you get all the tags that we offer in the concession. So if anybody has the opportunity to, you know, it's essentially now like a hunting trip. You have all the tags, you just go hunting, go tour everywhere and you have the opportunity to harvest anything that kind of crosses your horse trail. Right on. Yeah. Uh, I can't put in for this hunt, unfortunately, because I'm part of the administration of it. So I, it's killing right. me. Uh, that's the worst part of doing this stuff is I can't have my name in there. It's like uh, I'd be I'd be spending way too much money on it anyway. So uh, uh, well, don't worry. We're fantastic. Not yeah, absolutely. I just got to save my shekels and yeah, come uh, <laughs> come on my own. Cool. Um, okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit about um, – so. You know, you're you're iconic. Like, like I said, you, you know, somebody <laughs> looks at into the. Uh, well, you've been on the. You know, the. Uh, you're a wild sheep amb um, or sorry, an ambassador for Yeti. Um, you've been on the cover of Wild Sheep magazine. Um, like you, you, this has been a fabric of who you are. Um, so, can we, I guess, segue a little bit to women in hunting and and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about that. Uh, it comes up a lot with people and. Um, obviously, it's the gross, uh, quickest growing segment in the hunting industry right now. So, um, you know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you see it? I, I, I'm, you know, am I right in saying that you don't look at yourself as a woman in hunting? You look at yourself as a hunter. Um, that's the impression I get from you. And that's how I identify you as well. But, you know, for, you know, a young person, a young lady that wants to get or maybe somebody that's, you know, a little bit more senior as well that wants to get into hunting. You know, can we talk a little bit about that and some of the obstacles and what that's been like for you? I, I think it's probably been different than most people, but uh, can you talk a little bit about that for us, Jesse? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's incredible. And it's been a big movement. Like right now it's so popular, not popular, but it, it's just becoming more um, present and, and mm. people are sharing more of their experiences with it for sure. My experience is a little different. Um, I grew up in the business, didn't know any different, and and that's how my dad raised me as well. It's just that there was a job to do, and it didn't matter who did it; it just had to get done. And so I never, growing up, and even you know in my twenties, never thought of it any differently. Didn't really think, you know, 
Joelle and Logan are going out. I'm going to go out too. You know, like we didn't, we didn't think anything different of it. So, but again, that was just my upbringing and, and it was never uh, like spotlighted. So for me, and then I started talking about women and hunting and it, it's very humbling and I'm totally honored. Um, so yeah, again, it's just really been a lifestyle for us. And I, it, it's a big movement right now and we've been supporting it. We, this last year, 2020 to kind of supplement our season a little bit, we did a women's mentorship program um, that my brother and I designed and we put it together this season. We did only Canadians obviously. And, and in this case it was mostly local ladies, but we brought in uh, a bunch of local women into the concession and we did like a, like a mentorship program. So we just went through, tons of stuff but we did you know the hunting regulations um species tracking uh, like species uh, uh identification and then stalking habits call moose calling like we just did a bunch of stuff and we we went on a hunt um hiked around seen everything so we did that program and it was awesome it was super fun to have the girls out in the mountains and yeah had had great rapport with everybody and it was super super fun so we're trying to and we're we did that with youth as well we're going to do a, a youth mentorship program next year so we've kind of that's our way of like giving back or helping and and that's my way to to help mentorship i guess would be the word um so that's been going great and again just if I was going to give any advice to, to women who are just getting in it younger or um, more experienced or senior, it's just getting the experience, just actually being out there. Because it's one thing for someone to tell you about their experience, etc. But if you get out there and just, just make your own stories and your own experience, that's the best way to do it. Absolutely. Very cool. So this is a, that's a great program for sure. The this mentorship program. Uh, wh where do you see that um, heading down the road? Like, do you do you guys have a, a strategy? Like, you, you put it together. Is this something that you think you'll be building on and um, growing, or is it you know what are your how how do you see that progressing in the future? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep it going. Um, it's hard right now because there's only Canadian um, interest, and a lot of our clientele is American, so we really are just branching out to it. To a new group um, but we're gonna offer it internationally it's obviously on pause right now with COVID but that's something that we'll keep focusing on 100% there's there's no stopping that right on um, when you guys your client base would you what would you say what percentage are women that are coming up and uh, on a guided hunt would you as an, and, and more recently now that uh, you know I think if you look 20 years ago there wasn't too many women out in the field um, compared to today is there have you seen much of a change on that uh, on the guided aspect of it or not really not really unfortunately in our case we, we see probably one or two women hunters a year I would say okay so still a yeah. number but it's right. increasing so and I think a lot of women are getting experience um, maybe just getting into the small game or sorry the, the big game um, and so I think we'll start seeing some more in the future for sure, for sure. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a lot of it, right? People that are starting out aren't necessarily going to go and buy a doll sheep tag or, you know, a moose hunt. They're, they're going to work their right. way into it and then eventually work their way up to that. 
um, so for, like you said, in terms of giving people advice and just getting out there. Um, so somebody wants to start out, um, they're, you know, never hunted before. How do they get out there? That's one of the, the challenges I've always found. And I think that these initiatives, these mentorship programs are brilliant. I, I'd l love to see them, but the problem is, is there's just so few of them, right? We need the Jesse Young Midnight Sun Outfitter mentorship programs across the country. Um, so, you know, do you have any strategies there? Have you given any advice on that, Jesse? Um, like with the programs or how to, to market them or get them out? No, just to get people out in the field. Like, so, you know, uh, a lady wants to go and she wants to hunt and, um, and just, you know, and the, the, one of the issues is you show up at a big game club, like maybe, you know, a rod and gun club or something and you walk in and there's 30 men and one woman or, and she's there with her husband and you're like, Oh my goodness. So, you know, I, I think that can be overwhelming, intimidating as well. I've heard this before. So, you know, do you have any thoughts on that or, um, suggestions on, on ways to approach it? It's a tough yeah. one. I know. So it is kind of tough. Um, it's getting more popular these days, which is fantastic. However, the, the wild sheep foundation put together a mentorship pro, um, committee as well. Uh, it was kind of forerun by Renee and she did a great job. It's kind of amalgamated into a lot of the membership stuff now, which is great to kind of thumbs up everything at one time, which is fantastic for marketing as well. But the mentorship program or um, committee kind of just encouraged women, other women to other women. So if I was going to recommend for somebody who's maybe gets into that intimidated situation, just confidence to go and be brave and do it anyways. Because I think the best thing and, and how we all started, if, if, you didn't have any further family connections to it is go with friends, right? So you go along with buddy, buddy takes you out, you get a part of his experience or her experience. And then when you grow confidence in that, then naturally you feel more confident to, to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Really, really simple, basic. But again, it just goes back down to that experience. Like just get out there and do it. Go tramp around the bush and spook a bunch of deer. Cause that's when you learn <laughs> make your biggest mistakes. That's when you learn. Um, yep how to do it better and and that's essentially just getting experience i don't care if you've never been before it's like becoming a better outdoor or outdoors women is just getting experience and getting out there getting soaked in the tent or getting on top of your tent having it collapse like this is this is what it's all about <laughs> i don't know that one right on <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i do uh, so Jesse, now uh, you guys said you have this mentorship program. If somebody's interested in it, um, so for next year, uh, can, can they reach out to you? Is this something you'd be offering to people that they can come up, fly up, and go out with you guys in the bush, or how absolutely. does that work if somebody's interested? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, just email us on our website, and we'll put it together a schedule. We already have uh, like half a dozen names for our youth program um, put together. So we, we've got um, a couple names for the women's one too. But uh, but we've kind of already got those rolling. So if anybody wants to be a part of it, I'll let us know. We're ready. We're going to do next year. Um, this year was obviously backpacking. And next year, we'll be the horses will be involved. So we've had a ton, a ton of uh, interest with the horses. Girls love horses. Very cool. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. You cut out there for a second. 
Oh, okay, sorry. Um, yeah, I was just saying that this year we're going virtual in our convention for 2021, and we're going to be doing some seminars. Would you, um, could we convince you to do a little bit of uh, maybe do a one-hour seminar online for us um, for women in hunting? And, uh, sure. sure. <laughs> okay. I'll put yeah. you on the spot. I'll ask you when we're on the podcast. <laughs> no, I, I was love like, it. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you think uh, that'd be great. I'd love to chat with them. Oh, you definitely do. So yeah, we'll we'll chat offline, but it'd be very cool if we could get you involved and uh offer something for you know, we, we get tons of people, uh females out to our show and uh it's we're always and again, we're just that male dominated industry where for years there was never enough and we're always trying to find new ways to to interest people so there's content there and yeah, so you would be an awesome asset for sure to have you talk to to the ladies for sure. Yeah, no problem. I know um, Naomi Weeks too had a great influence uh, with the mentorship committee of the Wild Sheep Foundation. She's done a lot of good um, programs and lots of good conversations started there as well too. So um, yeah, BC Wild Sheep Society, you guys are forerunning it. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah, no, Naomi's been amazing. The problem is, is that um, Naomi's really heavily in the youth side of things. And so there's the youth and then there's the, 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 uh, ladies in hunting or women in hunting. So it's, yeah, it's, it's too many, too much going on. Right. So any support we can get is always fantastic. So. Yeah, of course. Well, no problem. I'd be honored to be a part of it. Cool. That's great. So can we jump into just like a, for you, I know that you, um, you, you work a, a day job. You, you're a registered nurse, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you're, you're working a day job, you're a outfitter, you're a guide. Uh, talk about that. How do you balance that? What's your work-life balance and how do you manage all these moving pieces? You, obviously, you're incredibly highly motivated. So you talk a little bit about that for us, Jesse? No balance. There's no balance. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, man, time management is something that I grew up with too. My, my, my dad was uh, overly driven. Um, entrepreneur as well and kind of just rubbed off on my brother and I but yeah it's busy we have um, a lot of you know moving but I wouldn't have it any other way we absolutely love it and I love what we do and it doesn't feel like we need that you know say quote-unquote work-life balance because everything we're doing is a lifestyle and, and we love and it doesn't really feel like work um, so it's great but in the off season we have to kind of supplement ourselves individually with uh, our careers. My parents were really pushed the education really hard. So my brother has a business degree and um, I have a bachelor of uh, science in nursing. And so I became a registered nurse uh, about eight, seven or eight years ago now. And in the off season have worked as a, as an RN. So Right now, I work in Whitehorse at the Whitehorse General Hospital. Works really good right now because of COVID and everything. It's busy. We have lots of meetings uh, with the Yukon Outfitters Association. So it's been great to be here, be at home, kind of see everything uh, in person and be present. And uh, then I've done a lot of outpost nursing uh, contracts as well. So I recently just got back from an outpost nursing station in like North, like up by our concession. So that was really rewarding. And I love being kind of close to the mountains so that's been good and we we have the concession and um, our horses are actually kept at our ranch in Saskatchewan so we 
travel back and forth, obviously, from Saskatchewan. Then uh, we ranch in Alberta as well, and then the Yukon. So we have this beautiful Western Canadian triangle that we, we do a lot of travel. So we have, uh, yeah, I always make a joke. We have nice trucks. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a workplace yeah. hazard, eh? You definitely need that. That's right. for sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sure. gosh, we go up and down the Alaska Highway probably like four times, six times a year. So, yeah, we move a lot, but it's great. I love it. Fantastic. So when you move the horses up, they must be, you must have a semi. You just bring them up in the big truck and all at once. Is that correct? Yeah. We usually yeah. have the semi truck. It's a straight liner. So we bring the horses up with the straight liner. And then we have usually two or three stock trailers that we'd convoy up from southern Saskatchewan to um, Keno City. Wow. Yeah. Put a few miles on every year, eh? You betcha. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so now what does the future hold for Midnight Sun for, for you? Do you have anything on the horizon, anything uh, up and coming? I know you guys, like you said, this year you um, pivoted a little bit. You've got the mentorship program and you're doing some new things. And I, I'm seeing some of the outfitters doing ecotourism and that sort of stuff. Not so much on the uh, hunting end of things and the guide outfitting in, more so of like ecotourism, like, um, you know, resort type stuff. Do you guys have anything on that on the horizon or any changes coming up for you guys? Not a whole lot of changes, just more. Um, we have, we have a real wilderness tourism license for the last 20 years since we've been to the Yukon. So in July, uh, we, we get our horses into the mountains in July. We open camps usually end of June, beginning of July. And we go in and do a lot of like fishing trips and a lot of um, kind of wilderness tours and eco stuff from there. So we already presently do that. Okay, cool. Um, now for you personally. Okay, I'm almost finished, thank you. Sorry about that. That's okay. Do you, do you need to go? No, no, somebody was you, just wondering what I was Okay. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Um, so in terms of you personally, do you see yourself, I get, I know you're here at work right now, so I maybe shouldn't put you on the spot, but uh, do you see yourself continuing uh, still, you know, active in the, the nursing, nursing stuff and as well, or, or do you see that sort of transitioning in the future? Something I've honestly wavered about for, for a while. It's, um, you know, we're so busy with all of the, ranch and, and the outfit it's a full-time job in itself so it definitely it's nice because I can keep I keep my license my nursing license and then I work very casual so it's nice just to have some diversion definitely and it, during COVID too it's really reflected that it's important to have uh, some diversity and so I could fall back on that when when the outfitting was a little bit slower so and my, my father always pushed that too to be have diverse incomes stability sake has definitely shown in this last year. So Logan and I both will probably keep our own careers just to have some independence too, so we don't get uh, too sick of each other. But definitely probably have it forever. Yeah, I will. I love it. It's a great career to have, and, and I simply chose it for that reason too because it was so flexible. Right on. So when you were down in Alberta, like when you're living in Calgary, were you nursing? Were you in the city or were you able to stay out at the ranch or how did that work? Were you, are you, were you a city person for a bit of it or? No, no, never have. I'm not a city person and I couldn't really <laughs> do it for that long. When I graduated, yeah, I worked right in, in Calgary um, right. at the campus, so a huge hospital, beautiful center. It was amazing. And then for the last four years, I've actually worked in Banff. So okay. 
um, my last lifetime ago, I actually ski raced. So when I, we grew up skiing, my brother and I did grow up skiing. My father was on the Canadian team. My grandfather was on the Canadian team. And so we grew up ski racing and um, I graduated from the National Sports School, which is a, a Canadian Olympic program funded sports school, essentially for nomadic learning, which worked fantastic because I could be technically homeschooled during the hunting season and still go to school, go to ski camps, etc., go to shows, be part of conventions. So it worked out great. And um, so, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Just the lifestyle in Alberta and, uh, yeah, the skiing, basically. It was all about yeah, the skiing. And the, yeah. So, so the point of my story was we were really um, involved with uh, skiing in Banff. Obviously, I grew up on the Banff Alpine Racers. That's my grassroots ski team. And so we spent so much time in Banff that when I graduated and did some travel nursing, came back home to Canada and thought, you know what, I'm going to get a job, like, in the mountains, leave shift, walk outside, you got the beautiful tunnel mountain and it's just stunning. So um, Banff is kind of where I've of my career and then I just came up to Whitehorse this last while. Cool. So you're missing out on the ski hill in uh, in sunshine this winter, I guess, eh? Totally. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. I'm embarrassed to say this last, I don't think I've skied in about three years. I just, winters have been so busy and then Logan and I like purchasing the concession and, and Midnight Sun kind of really taking most of our focus. I haven't skied in a long time, but Embarrassing. I don't know. I think I could still strap on the boards, but haven't in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I should do that in winter just to check it off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess there's nothing in Whitehorse uh, cross country. There's no, there's not a downhill uh, hill there, is there? Um, there is. It's called Mount Sema. Oh. It's just south of town. It's actually, they've done a great job. It's a pretty good little ski hill, and we get a ton of snow here, so it's, it's exceptional. Oh, fantastic. That's yeah. great. Well, hey, I know you're busy. I know you're at work and you've taken a bunch of time out of your day today to meet with us. I'm really appreciative. Um, but before I let you go, uh, I just want to say thank you to yourself and to Logan and Midnight Sun Outfitting for supporting uh, the conservation efforts and in particular the Wild Sheep Society BC. Um, we have our raffle tickets on now for that grizzly bear hunt and we're super thankful for all you've done personally and all Midnight Sun Outfitting has done to, to support conservation. So thank you for that, Jesse. You guys are so welcome. We're honored to be a part of it. And we love to see you guys at BC Wild Sheep. You're really doing good things with the money. So it's, uh, yeah, it's an honor to at least see the money go to get used. You guys are crushing it. I appreciate that. We'll have a wonderful day and uh, we'll chat again soon. And thanks again for everything you do. Awesome. Thanks, guys, so much. I'm honored to be a part of it. So, again, thanks for asking. Awesome. Take care.